0: Hey, good morning, everybody! Morning, morning. Happy Christmas season to y'all. This is fun. I love it when we can begin to sing those great songs, rich in truth, rich in joy, rich in hope. Uh, exciting to be joining you for this my very first Christmas here in Texas. Uh, if you hey, all right, yeah, yeah, we still celebrate on the twenty fifth here, right? I just want to make sure. Yeah, okay, right. Hey, if you've got a copy of God's Word, would you join me in First Peter chapter one? Today we are starting a brand new series, a series that is designed to prepare our hearts for the Christmas season, because they need to be prepared for the Christmas season, because there's pressures in Christmas that want to push us in different directions. I don't know about you, but every Christmas that seems to roll around seems to get busier and busier and busier. And of course, with the busier and busier, sometimes the main thing isn't the main thing anymore. Sometimes the main thing turns into that event that you need to go to. Sometimes the main thing turns into the meal that you need to have, or the family that we somehow need to fit in, or those cards that need to get up, the lights that need to go up, the baking that needs to happen, the gifts that need to get bought and then wrapped and then delivered, and then the thank you cards for the gifts that were bought and wrapped and delivered for you. And then all of a sudden, Christmas just turns into one giant month of exhaustion. You don't have to nod your heads. Well... I think it's a shared feeling. And that's why Bannockburn, this Christmas season, for the next four weeks, we're going to be intentionally pushing our hearts into Christmas and into Advent. That word Advent just means arrival. And with the Advent season, we celebrate the first arrival of Jesus Christ, knowing that the second arrival is also coming. And that's why we titled this series, He Has Arrived. And in the other traditions, evangelical traditions, they will often celebrate the Advent season specifically with candles. We're not going to do that here at our church, but we are going to pick up on those four weeks of Advent. There are four weeks that are celebrated, again, all across Christendom. And the first week, this weekend right now, is a weekend that focuses in on hope. Next weekend on peace, the following on joy, and then Christmas Eve we'll be talking about love. And Usually it's celebrated in that order, and that's the order of our sermon series. Hope, peace, joy, and love. But stop for a second there. Did you hear those words? Hope, peace, joy, love. Each of those words, isn't it true that they represent enormous longings of the human heart? No matter who you are, no matter what you do, no matter how old you are, every single one of us is looking for hope. Every single one of us looking for peace and joy and love. And we're looking sometimes all over the place for those things to be met, those enormous needs of the heart to be met. And isn't it true, at Christmas this is especially true, because the Christmas season, for whatever it is, begins to push those things towards us. We run into these words more often than the rest of the year. Uh, And they begin to communicate to us, the world does, that, hey, you know what? Hope is found in this direction. Joy is found in that direction. Peace in this one over here and love in that one there. But here's the true truth from God's word. Christmas, what Christmas teaches us is that Jesus Christ, the infinite son of God, is the one who meets all of those needs within us. He alone is the source of all hope. He alone is the source of joy and peace and love. So this series is meant to draw our hearts into deeper devotion and worship of Jesus. To move our hearts away from promises that we may have believed, uh, promises from the world, and and, then others try and sell us, and to begin to satisfy the longings of our hearts in him and him alone. So listen, this series is a perfect series for you who, who have been in Christ for years. And to remind your heart again where these things are to be found and in whom they're to be found. But this is a perfect series as well for people who do not know Jesus Christ, people who need to hear the truth of where we can find real hope, real joy, real peace, real love. So with that, church, I say welcome to the Advent season. Here comes hope for us. First Peter chapter 1. I'm going to read the text and then I'll pray for our time together. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now, for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials. Let me pray for us. Father, again we stop, and again we declare our need for you. And maybe, God, frankly, we need to declare more need for you more hunger for you that we would long to long for you more that we would crave to crave you more that we would desire to desire you more god we uh, freely admit and even freely confess that this season this christmas season sometimes gets the worst of us all pushes us, distracts us, moves our hearts away from the thing that does not matter, the celebration of the incarnation of Jesus Christ, the one who came, the God who stepped into our frailties and our weaknesses, became us and gave his life for us. God, sometimes the more important thing in our day is the Christmas cards. Forgive us, Lord. You know our frame, you know our weaknesses, you know our frailty, you know who we are, in our hearts and you know lord that we all of us need to be reminded and drawn closer to you this christmas so lord for your church for this room right now for the many that you will bring lord satisfy them with you please lift our hearts to you please that you be our joy that you be Worshipped this Christmas here at Bannockburn. Lord, we pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. I think uh, a lot of you know this by now because you tend to um, to remind me of it often. That I'm not born in this country. Uh, I actually was born in Canada, and even up until last year, was serving at a church in Canada. Uh, The church is called Hope Bible Church. It's a big church just outside the Toronto area. And uh, we had a a parking lot that was, you know, a big parking lot. And in that parking lot, the far corner of the property was something that I would call a very northern uh, structure. And it's a salt tent. Some of you that were born in the northern parts, you understand what that is. It's a little bit like a shelter that you would park your car under, a temporary shelter. But instead of parking your car under it, you would store salt because ice comes and you need to melt the ice. And so contractors for big properties will store their salt on your property. Sometimes they'll cage it up and sometimes not. And then when they need the salt, they just come and dig it out and they spread it over across your property. Uh, I know y'all are familiar with ice, but maybe not so much the salting side of things, okay? Uh, well, at this church that I was at last year, almost exactly to the day last year, uh, I got there in the morning. And instead of salt under the shed and there was a car parked under the shed and some of us had seen that car yesterday too so so we began to get a little bit confused by it and some of us got a little bit unnerved by it you know that feeling when you know something's wrong so a few of us walked out there just to figure out what was going on in that car I won't go into the details. In fact, I won't go into the details at all. But what we found was a man who decided that his life was no longer worth living. Hopelessness is more common than we'd like to admit. Hopelessness might actually be more common than hope. And isn't it true that this time of year, isn't it true that sometimes hopelessness sinks painfully deep? What's the point of going on? Why so much hopelessness? Well, I think one of the reasons why there's so much hopelessness is because hope has actually been placed in some of the wrong things. We put our hopes into things of this world. We put our hopes into our personal goals. We put our hopes into family. We put our hopes into health. We put our hopes into our finances, into our social and global hopes. We put our hopes into personal transformation. And some of us even put our hopes into technological advancement. And then what happens? What happens when what we place our hope in breaks? When the relationships fracture? When we don't meet our goals, when our health struggles, when our finances struggle, when the world seems to just fall apart, when technology just never seems to meet the needs, when our losses pile up, when the confusion begins to set in, when the comparison between me and them start to fly, what happens? What happens? Well hope is gone. What's the point of going on? What's the point of going on? A thrill of hope. The weary world rejoices. So goes the Christmas carol. Hope? Why hope? Well, listen closely. And I think you already know where this is going. There is hope this Christmas for you. There is hope in something so fixed and so permanent that nothing and no one can touch it. Death can't touch it. Divorce can't touch it. War can't touch it. Your financial struggle, your health struggle can't touch it. Because real hope is found in Jesus Christ. Real hope, lasting hope, fixed and permanent hope is found in no one else than Jesus Christ. Listen, because Jesus Christ has come, we can have hope. Because Jesus has arrived, hope has arrived. And so we back up and you ask the question, why hope? Why hope? Because Jesus. That's why. Now let me show you some things, some truths from God's word To lay this home to you, okay. First Peter chapter one is our text. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, it'll come on screen for you. I want you to see how Peter starts this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Okay, here's the big point for today. There is real hope found in Jesus Christ. Now let me tell you this. There's real hope because one, the foundation has been laid and that foundation is the mercy of God. God God has poured the foundation. Hope has arrived. He has built your hope on a foundation that is the mercy of God. You see how Peter starts, right? He starts with praise. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, worshiping you. Praise you, God. Thank you, Father, for the gift that we have in Jesus Christ. I'm praising you, God, because mercy has been given to us through Him. Now, I talked about this the last time I spoke, not here, but in Dripping Springs. Mercy is the withholding of consequences that you do deserve. Mercy is the peeling off of consequences that you rightly deserve. What Peter recognizes, and what you and I need to recognize before we come to hope, is that we need to recognize that because of our sin, we are trapped in a cycle of hopelessness. We're trapped in a cycle of pain. When God's word tells us don't do something, it's telling us don't hurt yourself. When God's word tells us don't do something, it's telling us don't bring pain into your life. But we continue, don't we, to choose pain. We choose pain in the struggle in our own lives, and we also embrace the struggle with others' lives as we work and live together. We're in difficult places constantly because of our sin. I've got problems in my relationship because of my sin. I've got problems with my thinking, with my desires. I've got problems at my church. I've got problems at my home. I've got problems at my work. Within me, there is a problem. And I face the consequences for this every single day of my own struggles and my own sin. But what God's word tells us is that actually, it gets worse than that. Your own sin earns for you a big fat paycheck of separation from God for eternity. We earned this. I'm in trouble. We're in trouble. That's what God's word tells us. We all ran away from the Lord so hard that we broke our legs in the process and we can't get back. That's hopelessness. That's real hopelessness. We need mercy. We can't get out of this. We need someone who can come along with his mercy and pull consequences off us. Consequences that we deserve to own. Consequences from our own sin. We need mercy. And that's when the Gospels open up and the New Testament begins to share this incredible story of a God who is so rich in mercy. God brings hope. Look at how Matthew puts it in his Gospel. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, look at this. Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary for your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Here it is, here it is, here it is. She will bear a son. And you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. That's a God rich in mercy. Now, Peter, about 60 years after that announcement, Peter, Jesus' close friend on this earth, who watched his life, picks up his pen and reminds his audience this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. You see, God did something absolutely astonishing. This is what we celebrate this Christmas, that God did something absolutely astonishing. Because even though God was the offended party, even though we all have sinned against him, God chooses to solve our problem. But it's not just that. It's even more astonishing than this, even more astonishing than what we broke, God's choosing to fix. What's more astonishing is what comes next, because of his great mercy, He has given to us eternal life through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. You know what that means, right? If there's a resurrection, there's a death. And that death is God himself who gives his life for you. For you, because of his great mercy, because he saw you in your brokenness, because he heard the pain of his people, because he saw our hopelessness, because God, our God, loves us to the fullest and the final measure. And as the Son of God gives his life on the cross for our consequences, my consequences, your consequences. And as he rises from the grave, you and I, because of his great mercy, are born again by faith to a living hope. He goes into death so that we could have life. He takes the hits. So we have the hope. And what's more, it's a living hope. Did you see that? It's a living hope. What does he mean by that? Well, it means that hope is alive. It means that your hope is not going to die. It means that it's always going to be vibrant. It's always going to be growing. Why is that important? Well, because we're really familiar, aren't we, with the death of hope. We understand what it's like, don't we, to watch hopes die in front of us. That's not how it was supposed to be. I was supposed to make that position. I was supposed to get that raise. There wasn't supposed to be that conflict. He was supposed to marry me. We were supposed to be somewhere different than we are right now. She wasn't supposed to cheat on me. My kids were supposed to turn out different. The job wasn't what was promised to me. I was supposed to get into that school. There, wasn't supposed, there was not supposed to be friends. He's gone. She's gone. Those days are gone. Those days that I dreamed of, they never even happened. We know what it feels like, don't we? To watch hope die in front of us. But listen, this hope, this hope from Jesus because of his death and resurrection, this hope is a hope that is never going to perish. It's never going to fail you. And how did this hope start? How did this hope start? What was the foundation of this hope? Did it start because you and I tried hard enough? No, 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 no. It doesn't depend on your effort. Did this hope start in your life because you got smart enough all of a sudden? No, it doesn't depend on your intelligence. Did this hope start because you did all the right things and you checked all the right boxes? No, we could never do this. This hope came to us because of the incredible mercy of God. That's the foundation that this hope sits upon. Now listen, in my new home that we're in, in this new place that we're in, I understand a thing or two about houses now that, that, that is very stressful when you consider your foundations. That's like the thing. Is the foundation okay? You start to see a crack in the tile and it lights out. We gotta take care of this. And you know what I understand? I understand what you're understanding, which is you're not worried about the tile. You're worried about the whole building on top of the tile or around the tile. Because if there's a crack in the foundation, the whole building's in jeopardy. You follow me, right? You follow me. Listen, here's the truth. Some of us here right now have built hope houses on things other than the mercy of God and Jesus Christ. And the cracks are showing. Do you believe me when I say this? Good. Okay. Now believe me when I say this now. Because the truth is, is that all of us do this in some way. All of us. To some degree, we build these little house, hope houses that cannot sustain the weight. And then what happens? The foundations crack and the hope collapses. The relationship tanks, the job stinks, the money's gone, the marriage struggles, the health, health falters, or even, or even listen, death comes. But listen, Christian follower in Jesus, Christmas reminds you, Advent reminds us of a living hope. Our longings for better cannot be placed in the things of this world. They can't carry the weight of our hope. Our hope, our living hope, rests on the person and the work and the mercy of God in Christ and what he's done for us. Our hope rests upon Jesus and what he's done. And if God did this, if God built this hope on his mercy, then nothing and no one is ever going to undo it. And that's where Peter goes next. Because God's been merciful, We've been born again to a living hope. Look at verse 4. To an inheritance that's imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Listen, here's the truth. Because of Christ, we have hope. Because Jesus has arrived, hope has arrived. God, in His overflowing mercy, has opened up the floodgates of hope. He's built this foundation for us. But here's the second thing if you're taking notes the fortress of our hope is God's power. Our foundation is built on His mercy, our fortress is surrounded by His power. Not only is your, rock, your house, your hope, built on rock-solid granite, it is also guarded by the power of an unstoppable God. Now look with me at the text, how, how, how Peter describes just how impossible it would be to lose our hope. Because of the mercy of God and the work of Christ, your hope is, he says, imperishable. It's imperishable. It's not going to break down. It's not going to disintegrate. Unlike your couch in your living room... It's always going to be good as new. It's imperishable. It's also undefiled. It's not going to get any stains or any blotches on it. It's always pristine. It's always spotless. And it's also unfading. It's never going to lose its color, its quality, its beauty. It's always going to be perfect. Imperishable. Undefiled and unfading. And not, not only that, did you notice where it's being stored? Your hope isn't stored here on this earth, is it? No, your hope isn't stored here on this earth where it can get damaged. It's not out in your garage where it can get musty. No, your hope hope is stored in heaven. And not only that, there's someone who's on guard duty for this hope. God and his power is protecting this hope. Do you think someone or something is gonna come up and take that hope away from you? It is locked up tight, it is solid, it is secure. It's always there for you. Do you think someone's gonna take it? No one. Now, just wind the clock back for those of you who remember to 1988. Now, most of, maybe I've lost a lot of you here in this, okay? But trust me, the illustration will be relevant, okay? Imagine it's 1988, and I come up to you and I say, hey, listen, you know what? Guess what I just learned? I just learned that the heavyweight champion, Mike Tyson, your next door neighbor, has a $50 bill on his kitchen table. He's out in the backyard, and his front door, is unlocked. Who doesn't need a $50 bill, right? I mean, apart from the fact that you may have a character problem with that, you know, stealing. Are you going to go in and get that bill? No. Can I suggest to you that that $50 bill is the safest $50 bill on the planet? Mike could put a sign up on the front door saying, come and try to take my $50 bill. I'm not going anywhere near that $50 bill, right? So let me ask you, Christian. God's word has just told you that your hope, always good as new, always spotless, always perfect, is being carefully kept in the house of God and held fast by an indomitable God Himself. Is anything more secure than that? Do you think sickness is going to touch that hope? Do you think your relational struggles are going to help touch that hope? Do you think war or the rumor of war is going to touch it? Do you think your financial crisis is going to touch it? Not a chance, right? God's got that locked down for you. Nobody and nothing is going to touch it. Your hope isn't going to collapse, and it's not going to get taken away from you. You say, well, what about death? Death takes so much from us, right? Well, back in verse 3, we saw that death tried. It actually tried to stop our hope in Jesus Christ. Well, what happened to death as it tried? Well, death got a hole bored through its center mass as Jesus stepped out of death and rose from the grave. Do you think that death can touch your hope? Do you think that death even has a chance at hope, touching your hope? Not a chance. God's got that locked down for you. That hope isn't collapsing. It's not getting taken away from you. And he's waiting for the perfect time to reveal it to you. Now, before I show you that perfect time, I want to show you an important "you hoo in the Bible. Do you know what I mean by "you hoo You say "you hoo like the drink or like "you"? hoo No, I mean like the Bible, the, the words in the Bible. Where's your head going? Okay. Look at the verses again. Okay. To an inheritance that's imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for yoo-hoo. There it is. See that? are being guarded by God's power through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. You know what I love about God's word? It's so clear. You see what's happening in verse four? Keep the text up there. What's happening in verse four, there's a subject in verse four. And what's the subject? It's your inheritance. Your inheritance is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, and it's kept in heaven for you. You who, that's a switch in subject now. Peter's now talking, and you, he says, you who have this inheritance, you're being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. You see what he's talking about here? Are you picking up what God's word's putting down, what Peter's saying? God is keeping your inheritance safe for you. And he's also keeping you safe for your inheritance. He's got you. He's walking with you in this life. Because listen, not only has God secured your future, he's also got you secure in your present. Not only does God care about your eternity, he also cares about the here and right now. God cares, in other words, about the relationships that are struggling. He cares about the disappointments and hurts. He cares about the health struggles, the financial struggles. He cares that the world seems to be falling apart. He cares about the aches and the pains and the struggles. And by the way, that word there for guarded is a word that's used outside of the Bible at this time to describe a garrison that you lock up into a city. You bring the garrison in to protect the city. You see, God wants you so very much to have the inheritance that his son has secured for you. He wants you to get to the finish line, and he's going to make sure you do. And when is that finish line? When is the inheritance? What well, did you see the end of verse 5? Look at it one more time. Who by You, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation, here it comes, ready to be revealed in the last time. You get it, in other words, at the finish line. When your salvation is fully and completely real. And listen, don't make any mistake here. Just because you don't know the time that it's going to be revealed doesn't mean that that time doesn't exist. God has a plan, and his plan is perfect. Just like God had a plan in a moment of time to send his son to be born of a virgin, that timing was perfect. And loved ones, the timing for when you receive what God has secured for you is going to be perfect also. But we understand, don't we, that so much of the despair that we face in this life, there's so much hopelessness that comes from us thinking, what's it, what are we thinking? We're thinking that this world is actually all that there is. And listen, if this world is all that there is, there's reason, isn't there, for hopelessness. But believer, follower in Jesus Christ, this world is not all there is there is a great and wondrous future that awaits us. And all of these things that we hope in in this world, all of the things like the relationships, like the status, like the community, like the culture, like to to be known and to be cherished, these things that we're longing for, and even success, you understand, don't you, that these things that we're longing for, that's actually just a homesickness in us. It's a homesickness for where we truly belong. You're longing for a home that you've never actually been to yet. Why homesickness? Well, because God has made you not to belong to this world. You were made for something so much more. And every time one of these little hope bubbles pops, you're reminded in your heart that this isn't the world I was made for. Look at verse six. That's our last verse. Peter knows what we're talking about. He goes right into it. In this you rejoice, though. Now, for a little while, if necessary. You've been grieved by various trials. Grieved by various trials. Yep. Four little words. So much in them, right? Trial. Grief. Yeah. Because honestly, this world is painful. This world is tiring and disappointing. And to be sure, it's also beautiful and glorious and wonderful, but it's not perfect. Because of sin, it's far from perfect. Believer, you were made for the perfect. You were made for your home where you belong. And all that God has done for you in Jesus Christ, the promise from God's word today is all of that is safe and all of that is secure. And you are going to be safe and you are going to be secure as he brings you to the finish line, walking you and getting ready for for him to reveal this this glorious and wonderful salvation at the end that's coming. That feeling of that truth and our response to that, that feeling, that's real hope. And that's because of Jesus, because of what he's done, we can have this hope. It's a hope that's founded on the mercy of God and protected by the power of God. The man that i came across that had taken his own life in that salt shed that night his name was ian we found that out later we would never met him he'd never been to our church but we found out just a little later that days earlier only days earlier ian had lost his wife i don't know where ian's soul is right now but obviously there was a moment where all of hope was gone from Ian's life and I think the saddest part of that story is that he gave up hope right next to a building a church that was named hope and a church like this church that proclaims a message of hope that's found in Jesus Christ and listen the story you know is not unique so many aren't they so many perishing just inches from hope. So many outside of these walls, not here today. You call them your friends, you call them your neighbors, you call them your family members even. Bannockburn, listen, we have hope. In a hopeless world, we have hope in Jesus Christ. It's founded on the mercy of God. It's held secure by the power of God. And even despite this difficult, painful life, plagued with its various trials of many kinds, we have a hope that cannot be taken from us because Jesus can't be taken from us. There is a hope that the world needs. This is a hope that maybe your neighbors don't have. This is a hope That maybe your friends don't have. This is a hope that maybe your family doesn't have. So the question, the question is, what are we going to do about it? Because this series is for us, yes, as we settle our hearts and remind our hearts that hope is not found in the world. It's found in the person and work of Jesus Christ. It's a message for us. It's a series for us but it's also a series for people who do not know Jesus Christ. Maybe I ask the question, who in my life do I need to share this with? Who in my life do I need to invite to this series in this season? Who do I need to tell for the first time? Who do I need to tell for the 101st time? Who do I need to tell that because Jesus has arrived, Hope has arrived with him. Listen to the carol again. The thrill of hope. The weary world rejoices. For yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Let me pray.